if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Galatians chapter six. We're gonna be there in just a minute. As you turn there, I wanna greet and welcome everyone online. Guys, thank you for being here. I know you've already been greeted, but truly, I've been praying for you, and I believe God has a message for you, as well as everyone in this room uh, today. If you guys don't know, my name is Micah Barclay. I'm one of the pastors here at Rev City, and I have the privilege of getting to share the Word of God with you guys, and I'm excited for a couple reasons. One, I really do feel like I have a message in due season that we all need to hear, so I'm excited to share it with you. But two, I actually get to unpack this message for two weeks. So I'm gonna preach this Sunday and then the next Sunday, and the real reason I say that is because now I've seen all y'all's faces. So if you're not here next week, I'll know why, and you'll hurt my feelings, so you gotta be here, okay? And I don't hold grudges, but don't forget who I work for, just saying, all right? So be here. Um, so I wanna start today's message with a moment of vulnerability with you guys, is that, if that's okay. Um, I, a couple months ago, went through a recent season of tiredness and weariness. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that before, and it kind of came out of me all of a sudden, and it was strange because I had just gotten back from a vacation, like a really wonderful trip, and usually when I come back from those things, you're like, come on, that should strengthen you, right? That's why you take time to rest. And I got back and I just found myself emotionally, spiritually, and physically drained. And, and I couldn't put my finger on it. Uh, the things that really started to make me notice was specifically emotionally and spiritually, I did not feel like I was connecting with God on the same way I was before. I'm very dedicated in my time of reading the Bible and praying on my own. And I was doing those things and I just wasn't feeling connected with God even though I was doing the same things I had done before. And then physically, I remember one night I was talking to my wife and I'm like, honey, I am like literally so tired. What is going on? And uh, she was like, well, Micah, can't forget we have four kids. You have a a lot on your plate, and I just kind of remembered, uh, you know, about a month and a half uh, in that season, I had gotten the flu, and the way that works with a family of six is, uh, you know, you get the flu for a couple days, you get a break, then the next person gets it, you get a break, and it's like you're sick for two weeks, right? Then my wife threw out her back, we had to go to the emergency room, had to kind of figure that all out, and then like a week after that, we got a cold that went through our house, so it kind of made sense. I was like, okay, I'm worn out physically because I'm, going, I'm battling some physical things, not sleeping well, my kids are awake, all those things, but why am I dealing with this spiritual battle in my life? Why am I, like literally, I'm just like not even enjoying the things that I enjoyed before. It was kind of like at this tip off, but God led me to Galatians chapter six, which is where I asked you to turn. We're gonna read verses seven through 10, which says this. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired in doing what is good. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, don't get tired of doing good. If you keep reading, it says, at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So I wanna start with this question. I've kind of already asked you it, but who in here before has ever felt a little weak, a little tired, a little weary before? Raise your hands. Okay, keep them up. Look around, guys. 
We're in good company, okay? Everyone has felt that way before. Everyone's felt tired, and, and we might even be in this season, like it's a great season to be in, right? Uh, we've maybe gone to multiple Thanksgivings, now we're preparing for Christmas, but man, sometimes you can just grow a little weary of even good things, and I was, I was studying this scripture, I thought that was a very funny thing for Paul to tell us, right? Don't grow weary, or don't grow tired in doing what is good. I'm like, man, why would we grow tired? Why would we grow weary in doing good? Typically, when I'm doing good, when I'm really doing something for the Lord, that like, that strengthens me. I enjoy it. It fills my cup up, right? And so I was kind of praying and talking to God about this, and I just felt the Lord say, Micah, it's easy to grow weak and weary, even when you're doing good. And he said for two things. One, you do things apart from me, or with the wrong motive. And it kind of put me on this journey and he started pointing some things out in my life of ways that I just, simple little things that I needed to change because it's not what I was doing. Some things it was how I was doing it and the reasons why I was doing it. And I'm gonna share those things with you this morning, but here's my encouragement to you guys right now. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't give up. Whatever your life is like right now, maybe your marriage is falling apart, your family is not going the way you thought it would be, maybe your job is not the a dream job that you always thought you would have, maybe you're looking back at your New Year's resolutions and realizing well, you didn't accomplish any of them. To be fair, I think I looked at mine a week and a half ago and I'm like 50% there, but I still got a few weeks left, okay? So, uh, you know, a few months here, uh, I might be able to do it. Uh, but don't give up, I promise you, at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. So that's what I wanna to talk to you guys about. And I just wanna take a moment. We're gonna have some extra time of ministry today. And I want everyone to just bow their heads, close their eyes, and really just open your heart before the Lord. Open your heart before the Lord and just ask him, where do I feel weary right now? What is draining your life? What is not filling you up? It's actually taking from you. Ask God to reveal it. And as you do, I just wanna pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for every person in this room. And right now, I pray a blessing over them, that you would reveal what's in their hearts, the things that are just drawing uh, this um, tiredness, this weariness out of them, God. I pray you would reveal it, and right now you would strengthen them to not give up. And God, we would focus on the harvest of blessing that will come if we continue to trust you, if we continue to seek you above all else. God, we are so grateful for this time that we can spend together. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you here. Truly, you're already here already. We know that but we wanna give you room to move today. So speak to us. May we not leave here the same way we came. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen, amen. All right, so I got a couple tips for you guys, ways, the things that God just highlighted to me on how we can keep ourselves from growing weary. And here's the first one. We have to do everything for the praise of God, not for the praise of people, okay? This is what Matthew 6, one through four says. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you." And I understand there is a paradox here because the Bible also says to let your good deeds shine before men. 
So it's a both and statement. We're supposed to let our good deeds shine, but here's the truth that I, I, I firmly believe if we can hold on to it, it would change our life. We will grow weak, we will grow weary in doing good if we live for the praise of people more than we live for the praise of God. And I'll let you, you guys into my life a little bit as well, uh, a little vulnerable moment here. I'll tell you who my favorite YouTuber is. Has anyone ever heard of Mr. Beast before? I figured this section would. Okay, I see some hands. Okay, again, I said this first service, I don't know much about him, so if he's a terrible person, I do apologize. I think he's pretty good. But anyway, his whole YouTube channel is uh, generosity. All he does is go around and, and give money to people, and he usually does it in some like elaborate stunt. You know, uh, one I was just watching a few weeks ago, uh, he rented an entire mall and took 100 people and played a giant game of hide and go seek. And he said, All right, he gave each person, I'm shaking some heads, I think it was like $10,000 a piece. And I was like, If I don't find you, you can keep the $10,000, but if I find you, I'm taking it back. Man, I wanna play that game. Anybody else? Like, come on, that's, that sounds kind of fun. Uh, but Anyway, if you go back and follow his progression, I think he's the most popular person on YouTube right now. His videos were not always giving away hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. He actually started with just a few hundred dollars. He would just do these random challenges or acts of kindness. But this is what happened. As people kind of watch those videos, they go, okay, we've seen that before. What's the next thing you're gonna do? And he, kept, he keeps trying to outdo himself one after another. And it went from hundreds to thousands to thousands to tens of thousands, now hundreds of thousands. And he literally gives away millions of dollars every year. And I think that's wonderful. But listen, if we live for the praise of people, that hunger will never be satisfied for them. They're, they always want more. You're always thinking about the next thing that you have to do, the next thing you have to do to please someone. But we gotta learn how to live for God, not for people. And I believe when we live for people, we fall into two major traps. And that's the trap of comparison, or, uh, comparison and competition, all right? So when we compare ourselves, it, 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 is, it is really, really rough. And this is what I believe uh, comparison is. It becomes unhealthy when you look to other people's gifts talents and abilities as a way to determine your value in God's eyes, okay? So this is what I mean by that. When you look at someone else and you go, wow, look at what they have. Look what God has blessed them with. Look at their talents. Look at how they sing. Look at how they play. Look at how they speak. Look at the money that God's given them. And immediately you start saying, wow, God must love them more than they love me. You guys are looking at me like a little dead here, right? You guys following me? It's when you start thinking about that and you go, you compare to others and you go, man, I don't measure up to that. And we can all fall into it. And when we do, I promise it's a thief of joy and it's a thief of peace. And just the other night, uh, I came in and I sat next to my wife, Adrienne. She was watching this little video on her phone, this interview with uh, Todd White, Carrie Job, and Cody Carnes. And at first I was, I was really, really enjoying it because they were talking about all the things that they were doing for uh, the kingdom of God. And if you're not familiar, Cody and Carrie like write just amazing songs. They wrote The Blessing and The Firm Foundation, the one we just sang a little while ago. And then Todd White has this amazing healing ministry and a bunch of other things. And at first, like I said, I'm watching it, but then as I'm watching it, I find myself comparing myself to them. And I go, man, I've never written a song like The Blessing before. Or, and I've never prayed for someone for their hearing to return, and it has actually happened. And they're working in full-time ministry, I'm working in full-time ministry, and a little thought came across my mind and said, is God pleased with me? Is God like, I'm not doing what they're doing. I haven't had nearly as much success. 
as they've had, is he pleased with me? And immediately I'm just like, oh man, I'm comparing myself again. And it's dangerous. Even when you're doing good things, we do similar things. They're working for the kingdom, I'm working for the kingdom. But when we compare ourselves to others, man, it is just, it's such a robber, it's a thief of joy and of peace in our lives. And I promise you, even when you're doing good things, you will grow weak and weary when you compare yourself to others. Another one is competition, right? And, and competition, I believe, is actually a good thing. We could do better about teaching our kids about healthy competition, but competition becomes unhealthy when we think we are in some type of competition with each other on our way to, to the Lord, right? Listen. People are not the enemy. Let the enemy stay the enemy. He's the one who's out to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. But what we have to recognize is we're not battling the person next to us on a way to the Lord. Do you guys follow me on that? That's not what God's called us to do. It's unhealthy. And God led me to the parable of the talents. And if you're familiar with that story, it's where a king or a ruler has three servants and he gives them gifts of money called a talent. And to one servant, he gives five talents. Another servant, he gives two. And another servant, he gives one. And we tend to focus on the one because he's the one who really screws up. He hides his master's money, has a wrong view of his master, and doesn't do anything with it. He's not a good steward, and he, and he finally gives it back to the king. But I wanna focus on the first two servants, and what the Bible says is they both go to work immediately, and they uh, double their master's money. But just for fun, I was thinking about this story, and I'm like, well, what if, what would have happened if that second servant would have started to compare himself to the first or thought he was in a competition with the first servant, right? So here we are, you're working hard and you're working with this guy next to you and right away you notice, well, our master just gave him five, he just gave me two, he must love this guy more than he loves me. So immediately he starts comparing, right? And then they work really hard and what the Bible says is the guy who has five doubles it and he gets 10, the guy who has two doubles it and now he has four. No matter how hard that second servant works, he always feels like he's behind the first servant, right? The Bible doesn't say this. I'm just, I was just kind of thinking about this. And let's say they went to work again, and now this guy has 20, and now this guy has eight. No matter how hard, you always feel behind someone. If you always feel behind someone, it's probably because you're battling the trap of competition or, or comparing yourself to them. And I'm telling you, the reason why I know this doesn't please God is because the reward he gives to both those servants is the exact same. He comes to the first servant who he's given five talents to and he goes, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little. Now I will put you in charge of even more. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then he goes to the servant who only gave two and he doubles it and he gives the exact same praise. He goes, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little. Now I'll put you in charge of more. Come and enter in your master's happiness. But even if you're doing good things, they were both doing the same work, but with the wrong attitude, with the wrong motive before him, we can easily grow tired in doing good if we do things and out of the trap of competition and comparing ourselves to others. First Timothy 5, 24 through 25 says this, remember the sins of some people are obvious, leading them to certain judgment, but there are others whose sins will not be revealed until later. In the same way, the good deeds of some, and we're talking about doing good things, right? The good deeds of some people are obvious and the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. Listen, church, I'm so convinced of this. One day we are all gonna get to heaven, right? And uh, for people who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, 
but I truly believe we're gonna get there and we're gonna meet people who did so much good on this side of eternity and we don't even know their names right now. They don't have the, the social media following. They don't have the mega church. They don't have any of those things, but they are so faithful with whatever God has given them right now that he, the reward, we don't do it for the reward, but the reward is gonna be so great and we're gonna be blown away by these people we don't even know about right now. And I believe there's been people like that all throughout uh, history who have generously given, generously served. We don't even know their names. But when you live from that type of heart posture, I'm telling you, it changes everything you do. Kind of along those lines, as I was thinking about this, the Lord really was just telling me, Micah, what I'm really trying to teach you is you need to do things from a pure heart. And everything that you do, do things from a pure heart with the right motives. First Timothy 1.5 says this. Paul tells uh, Timothy, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with the love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Listen, if you are ever reading the Bible and you see something that says, the purpose of my instruction for all believers, okay, we need to slow down, underline it, pay attention because it's something important to us. And he's saying, the purpose of my teaching for believers everywhere, he says, I want you to serve and love each other from a pure heart, from a pure heart. Proverbs 20, 11, uh, says this, even children are known by the way they act, whether their conduct is pure and whether it is right. And really what he's talking about here is motives. Are, are you serving? Are you, are you doing things with the right motives? And, and this is what I definitely know to be true, that if you start trying to do good things for God with the wrong motive, you will grow weak and weary from it. Because I'm telling you, when you don't have a pure heart before God, you, you just will. It's, it's, it's something that's inevitable inside of us. And here's the deal. God is known as our father, right? We are his children. A good father can always tell when their children are not doing something with pure motives. I know as a father of four, I'm seeing some parents like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. As a father of four, I know when my kids are not, they're, they're treating me extra special because they want something. And typically it's my oldest kid. I can read it pretty quickly. I love her to death. But I get home from work. And I walk through the door and she'll give me a big hug. She's like, daddy, I love you so much. And that's pretty normal. I'm like, okay, I love you too. And then I try to let go and she squeezes me again. She's like, no, dad, I really missed you today. And I'm like, well, I missed you too. And I try to leave and she goes, well, and um, thank you for working for us today. And I'm like, yes, okay. And, and then I try to leave and she goes, well, hey, maybe we could talk later. I'm like, yeah, for sure. And she goes, well, we're kind of talking now, so I have a question for you. And I'm like, okay, here it comes, right? And I really know when something's gonna happen when she goes, hey, I have a question. It's okay if you say no, but, and there it is, right? And then there's the, there's the sweet talking, trying to make me all kind and, and all lovey-dovey on her. And I know she wants my time or my money, one of the two. And most of the time, I'm okay. I'm okay with giving that to her, but, Here's what I have to know, okay? A good father can see through the heart motive of anyone, and our, our father is good. And he can see when we're living our lives out from impure heart motives. And I promise you, when you do that, you'll just find even when you're doing good things, you will grow weak, you will grow weary from it. So here's a question for yourself today. Just, you have to be honest with yourself. If you are feeling weak, if you're feeling weary, tired for any reason, are you living your life with pure motives right now? Have you fallen into a trap of comparison or competition? Or do you, are you falling into those traps? Are you doing anything that, from a heart perspective that is, is impure? Because I promise you, if you are, you will grow weak. You will grow weary from it. Here's uh, tip number two. 
We have to learn how to seek God's best, not our good. Okay, and this is what I mean by that. A few months ago, I had a knock at the door of my office and a staff member came in and said, Pastor Micah, can I please talk to you for a minute? I'm like, yeah, sure, get in here. And so they just kind of came in and started unloading everything that was going on in life. And, and it was all good things, but they were like, hey, you know, my spouse has an opportunity for this new job, but it would mean this big change for our family and for our kids and all this. And I mean, it was like this really long drawn out thing. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot going on in life for you guys right now. All good things, but I knew what question was gonna come at the end of this story, and you guys probably know, well, if she got to the end, and was like, well, what do you think we should do? And I'm like, man, I don't know what you should do. There's a million different options out there. You just like, you know, threw out all these crazy circumstances. I don't know what, and I just asked God immediately. I was like, God, do you have a word for this person? And he did give me a word, and it was something that someone shared with me a, a, a while back, and it was just, I just said this, well, do you think this is a good idea or a God idea? And they just kind of looked at me, and they were like, wow, I've never thought about it that way before. That changes everything, because we can have good ideas, we can have good intentions, but it's a lot different than a God idea, right? And even if you have a good idea, and you try to set out to do something good, like if I decide I wanna go buy 500 acres, make some orphanages, build some homes to help people rent-free, do like amazingly good work. Who would agree that's good things to do, right? But if God has not called me to do that, and I could even do it with pure motives, like I just wanna help people, I just wanna do something for someone, I just wanna love them, bless them, but if God's not called me to do that, I promise I will grow weak, I will grow weary in doing good if God's not called me to do that. But the opposite is also true. Maybe God's put a giant dream in your heart. Maybe God has really called you to go be a missionary or to start or to do something like that. We literally have a missionary that we support right now, started in youth group, who's now in Africa, started a missionary, started this home for boys, has rescued tons of boys off the streets uh, that were once addicted to drugs because God put a giant-sized dream in her heart. She lacked the resources, she lacked the education, she lacked all that, but she had a calling from God in her life and even a big dream. She had pure heart and a pure motive and God has tremendously blessed her and just kept opening door after door for her. That's the difference right there. That's the difference. So again, are you seeking God's best or your good? Colossians 3, one through two says this. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not the things on earth. And that's how we do it. When we fix our focus on the things above, not on the things that are of earth, we stay focused on what God wants us to do. We are more inclined to listen to his ears. And I think I just kind of got caught up in my own life. And they were all good things. It wasn't I was trying to do anything bad. It wasn't anything I was like falling away from the Lord and not loving my wife or my kids. But I realized I need to keep my ear tuned to the Lord. I need to keep my eyes and my heart and my life fixed on him and he will lead me. Otherwise, I'm just going to seek my good when I really want God's best for my life. If we keep reading in Colossians uh, 3.23 says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. What he's saying here, here is put God first. Verse 24 says, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and the master you are serving is Christ. Listen to me, church. If you wanna seek God's best, that does not mean you have to go become a missionary. That does not mean you have to become a pastor. That does not mean that you have to give your life away in ministry in some shape, form, or, uh, or um, 
or anything like that. What he's saying here is in everything you do, you could be a teacher, you could be a doctor, a lawyer, a businessman, a businesswoman, a mom, a dad, any of those things. But if you do it as you are working unto the Lord, man, I promise you, you will not grow weary in what God's called you to do. You will not grow weary. You will not grow faint. You will not grow tired. But you have to come from that heart motive, that posture. God, I want your best, not just my good. And in part of my preparation for this message, I went around to a few people in the church. I'm not gonna mention any names if I talk to you. And I asked them, tell me a time when you sought maybe your good, but not God's best, and you got a little weak or weary from it. And I kind of boiled it down to three seasons of life that we've all found ourselves in. And it was a season of, of um, transition, seasons of trial, and seasons of waiting. And, and one gentleman I was talking to was talked about a season of uh, transition. And he goes, man, I was so convinced that he, I was happy where I was at with my family, we were doing good but I felt like God called me to go someplace else. And so we moved the whole family. I took this job. I thought it was gonna turn into a job. And he said in a few months, it just failed. Like literally did not pan out the way I thought it would. So immediately, obviously I have to provide for my family, got a different job. Then that job failed. And it took about eight months. And they, I mean, basically had no job, no money left, nothing. And he's like, God, what in the world are you doing? Like, why would you let me go through this? I thought we were going on this season of transition together and you were gonna lead me to like this great place. But this is what he said. He goes, if I wouldn't have gone through that season and really prayed and dug in deep, I know God would not have, uh, I don't think I would have listened to him when he finally told me to move my family to Lawrence. And he goes, now I definitely know this is where God was called us to move and to be in his family is thriving here. But it all started with a season of transition that really didn't pan out the way he thought it was going to. Another one, a season of waiting. Who, who loves seasons of waiting, <laughs> right? No, oh man, I'm a deer hunter. I hate waiting. I like to shoot things, right? Uh, and I do. And so sometimes I'm just like, man, I, I enjoy being out there, but I cannot wait anymore. And I'm telling you though, don't get outside of God's will for your life by trying to stop waiting on him. Press in, don't stop. Seasons of trial. If you're going through a season of trial right now, don't seek your good, seek God's best. And this is what the Bible tells us, church. It, it says, God is not tempted to do wrong. And he doesn't tempt us to do wrong either. But he does allow us to go through tests, right? You guys following me? He does allow us to go through seasons of trial, but he does it for one reason, and I believe one reason only, because he's trying to strengthen us for the next season of life. And if you're going through that right now, I promise you, I promise you, if you hold on and, and, and don't give up, that's the promise that I wanna share with you guys that Paul tried to share uh, with us in Galatians. He says, don't give up. You will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. It might take a season. It might take longer than what you think. It's not fun to go through those times of waiting. It's not fun to go through a time of transition or of trial. But take heart. God wants you to seek his best, not your good. And finally, I, I remember uh, he, God spoke this really clear to me. He said, Micah, well, you have to recognize to replenish yourself the way you're pouring out. And this is what I mean by that. We know this practically in our hearts and in our heads. We just don't do it very well. But if you're a person who pours out physically, let's say, 
you realize that you have to replenish yourself physically. You gotta take rest, you gotta Sabbath, you gotta physically allow your body to rest. But if you're a person who pours out spiritually or emotionally in your job, it's really important that you do that as well. Uh, I was very blessed when I first uh, became a pastor. I had great mentors in my life that shared this truth with me, Pastor Thomas, Pastor Eddie, my dad, and my father-in-law. All of them have years of ministry under their belt, um, decades actually, and they, in different ways, in different conversations, they said, Micah, it's so important that you know as you start pouring out spiritually that you take care of yourself spiritually. And what I realized, what they finally were saying is, more than ever, I was reading the Bible. More than ever, I was reading books about church and, and about God and listening to sermons and doing all these things more than I ever had before. I had more time and I was preparing messages and I was leading life groups. I was doing all these things. But then what I finally came to realize, I was also pouring out more than I ever had before. And when I skipped or if I didn't have a good time with the Lord where I was just in my prayer closet or reading the Bible for myself, I could not rely on just that extra devotion time or the extra Bible reading time. Why? Because I'm a leaky person. I leak God every day. I need to refill my cup every single day. I'm a finite human being. I will get with God and I think at the beginning of the morning, I'm like, man, like Christ is my firm foundation. I'm, he's never gonna leave me. And then my kids like, you know, start screaming. They start yelling. They start spilling the milk. They, they have an attitude. I'm like, no, just take me now. You know what I mean? Like this day, woe is me. I'm telling you, we have, to, we have to come to this conclusion, okay? We need to continually fill ourselves or otherwise we really will grow weak and weary. Even when we're doing good things. Like, again, I was doing all these good things, but I wasn't replenishing myself appropriately. Listen, if you're out of gas, it doesn't make any sense to go get an oil change. You're still not gonna go anywhere, right? And, and that's what the Lord was just kind of speaking to me. And I wanna share with you guys, encourage you, please, if there's an area in your life where you're obviously pouring out in different ways, maybe you were the person who invited all the family and friends over for Thanksgiving, but you will never in turn uh, accept an invitation someplace else, right? Because you don't wanna be an inconvenience, you don't wanna do that. Man, accept it. Let someone else cook for you. Let someone else clean their house for you. Let them do that for you. Be replenished in that way. That's just like a, like a silly little practical thing. But even yesterday, uh, my wife could tell by three o'clock, I had, I was done playing all the board games. I was done playing all the little games I play. And she was like, you just need like 30 minutes. Go into the bedroom. She literally drew me a bath and was like, you just need to stay in here. Like, I never do that. And she just let me like rest. And I was like, whoa, this is kind of nice. I think I'm, I kind of like this, right? Maybe we can make this a, a tradition of sorts. But I needed that. And she took care of the kids. She did all of that for me. And I was like, wow, I've been pouring out so much. I didn't even realize I needed to be replenished in that way. So here's a great question to ask yourself, okay? I've already asked this at once. Where do you feel weak and weary today? And are you replenishing yourself appropriately? If you're pouring out physically, if you're pouring out emotionally, are you replenishing yourself that way? I was talking to Beth Diaz uh, just last week and she was saying that she was a teacher for many years. Teachers are awesome. They give so much. It's, it's emotional and physical. It's all those things. And she goes, I remember when I taught, eventually I'd get home and I'd just tell my kids, mom needs an hour. Mom needs an hour, and, I, and she said I would just go lay down in the bed, maybe take a nap or even just rest. I'd let the kids kind of watch TV, do whatever. Then I would get up and start dinner or clean or do whatever she had to do for the rest of the day. 
but she recognized she poured out so much that she had to replenish herself in that specific way. Where does God need you to start strengthening yourself? Where does God want you to start coming to him? Because this is what Jeremiah 31, 25 says. I, speaking of the Lord, will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give them rest. John 15, five through six, Jesus says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. What is Jesus really saying here? <laughs> we can't do anything without him. If we don't stay connected to Jesus, we cannot produce the fruit that God's called us to produce in our life. You ever take a tree, cut its uh, branch from it, it looks pretty good for maybe even an hour or two, but three, four hours later, you can already see the leaves start to um, you know, shrivel. And the next day, maybe they start falling off. In a few days, there's no leaves left. And literally, the only thing else you can do with that branch is throw it into a fire. And God wants us to know, if you're feeling weak, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling weary, we need to stay connected to Jesus. It is the most important thing that we can ever do as our, as a, in, our follow, um, in our walk with Christ, as we follow Christ. We have to stay connected with him. And as I was studying, I, I really came to Psalm 23, and I believe it's a psalm that all of us have heard before. The Lord is my shepherd, right? You maybe even have memorized it once in your life. But God really showed something to me different that I'd never seen before. Uh, but this is what Psalm 23, one through three says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And this is where I really was... Um, kind of blown away by something. I wanna focus on the first verse. And he says, he leads us to uh, green pastures, or he makes us lie down in green pastures, but he leads us beside still waters. And there's been times in my life, and this is what the Lord said, he's like, Micah, I can make people take a rest when I need them to take a rest. And he's done it to me and humbled me in many different ways. It's usually in a way uh, that um, physically, when I am not taking care of myself, and I used to have this big problem calling into work. Uh, my first job out of college, I was a manager at a restaurant, and I just felt like if I wasn't there all of the time, that that, um, you know, the store, the, the store wasn't gonna work and it wasn't gonna run well. And I remember I woke up one morning and I was just so sick, like 103 fever, the aches, the shakes. This was pre-COVID and I was like, well, I'm the manager, gotta get up and go to work and I'm getting dressed. And my wife came in and she goes, Micah, like, what are you doing? You're so sick, you cannot go to work today. And I'm like, no, honey, it's fine, it's fine. And I don't even remember exactly how it happened, but I was getting dressed, getting ready and I just passed out and I either hit the wall or hit the ground like like thud hard and next I just kind of remember waking up in bed and the sun was all the way up and I go honey like what happened I have to get to work and she goes no you passed out you fainted so I took your phone I called your boss I said you're not going to come in today and you know what she said that's fine hope he gets better tell him to get better we'll see when he gets uh, feeling good <laughs> I'm like oh honey thank you so much thank you for doing that for me right 
But the Lord really had to teach me, he can make me lie down in green pastures when I need to. If I'm not gonna take care of myself, and I guarantee every one of you can remember a time where you know you think you're gonna go do something for, on your day off and a plan's change and all of a sudden you're like, man, I couldn't really do anything but just rest. Well, that's okay. God knows what he needs you to do. And there's a time where it's okay to just rest. Are you giving yourself a Sabbath? Are you giving yourself a time to be replenished? That stuff is important. And he will make you lie down in green pastures if he needs you to. But then look what he says next. He says, I will lead you beside still waters. And this is what he really said to me. He goes, I can make people take a rest, Micah, but I will not make people drink of my love. At least for me in this church, we believe in something called free will. It's, uh, it's the fact that God has provided this amazing gift of salvation, but it's our opportunity to receive it. It's our determination to drink of the living water that never runs dry, and that is Jesus. Jesus describes himself as the water that never runs dry, the well that never runs out. And he says, I can make people rest, but I won't make people drink of my love. And today we have the opportunity to come before Jesus and drink freely of him. Drink freely of him in a way that will satisfy us, not just for this season, but for every season to come. Because it's a water that never runs dry. Can I have you stand to your feet this morning? And I would love just one more time, if you would just bow your heads, close your eyes, and just ask the Holy Spirit this simple question. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What is God highlighting in your life right now that's making you feel weak or weary? Have you fallen into the trap and you find yourself comparing yourself to others? Do you feel like you're in competition with the people around you? Maybe a brother or a sister or a friend or some, uh, maybe even a Christian brother or sister. Are you doing the things even if they're good things with good motives, but maybe you're just following your good instead of God's best. Countless times in my life, I've had to lay down what I thought was good for God's best, and I've never regretted it. Are you doing things with pure motives before God? You're not doing things for the praise of people. You're not doing things for, your, uh, for the recognition or the fame, but you're doing things because you know it brings honor and glory to God, and God's called you to do it. Are you replenishing yourself the way you're pouring out right now? Are you taking care of yourself spiritually, emotionally, physically? God wants to restore and renew us this morning. He can make us lie down in green pastures, but right now I truly believe he is leading us beside still waters. And he wants you to drink of his son today. He wants you to drink so freely of his love that will strengthen you in this seasons and the seasons to come. So just present those things before the Lord and I wanna pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person in here who's feeling a little weak. They're feeling a little weary, feeling a little tired of doing the good that you've called them to do. But I pray right now in Jesus' name, you would strengthen them. You would mold them, you would shape them into the image of your son and these things would become easy for them to do. That they would not fall into any of these traps. They would not compete with each other or compare themselves to each other. 
but they would be grateful and thankful with what you have given them and I'd be grateful and thankful with what you have given me. And that together we could run this race knowing that you have only good things in store for us. Strengthen us right now, strengthen them in Jesus' name. Finally, I wanna end with this. Um, God led me to uh, the story of the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you're familiar with this story, it's where uh, Jesus actually makes his disciples go to a green pasture. They go to this garden, right? And they're praying and he goes to his disciples. He says, please pray with me, but they all fall asleep. And he goes and often prays. He comes back, he goes to his disciples again. He goes, please, can't you just stay up a little bit and pray with me? And then he goes off and prays and they all fall asleep again. A third time he goes back, he goes, please, will you just pray with me? And they fall asleep again. And I, I was thinking about this story. Again, he makes us lie down in green pastures, but he leads us beside still waters. And I was just thinking, what would have happened if just one of those disciples would have said, Jesus, I'll pray with you. Jesus, I'll sacrifice that, my time, maybe the last little energy that I have, and I'll come down and I'll kneel with you. Again, I like to think these things through sometimes. And I just truly believe if even just one disciple would have done that, that one disciple would have had the strength to face that trial that was about to come in their lives. Because what happens, the temple guards come, the Romans come, they strike the shepherd and everyone flees. But I guarantee you if they just one person would have accepted and been like, Jesus, I would not just in their mouth actions because they all said the, the chapter before, Jesus, we're ready to die with you. But the chapter later, they weren't even willing to pray with him. What would our lives be like if we made that decision right now to drink freely of Jesus? So I wanna give anyone in here an opportunity today to choose Jesus as the Lord and Savior of, your, of their life. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus before. Maybe you have and you've just run so far away and you're anything but a follower of Christ right now. But today is the day, today is the day, today is the day to drink so freely of his love. And he's giving you the invitation. He's saying, would you just come to me? Come to me. And if that's you today, if you feel any tug on your heart, if you've never given your life to Jesus or this is a fresh dedication, would you just raise your hand so we know who to pray for? I wanna know right now, thank you, I see hands. And, and, and all you're saying is, I want Jesus more than anything, more than my good, I want God's best. I want what he's provided for me. I want what he has in store for me because I promise he only has good things in store for you. The trials are going to come, Jesus says. It's, they're going to come, it's a guarantee. And I'd much rather be fully fueled up with the power of Jesus Christ than try to do things on my own strength. Anyone else, I see some hands. Anyone watching online today, if you wanna raise your hand, you'll have someone reach out to you and pray for you as well. Today is this day for you. All right, you can lower your hands and I just wanna pray this prayer together. Then we're gonna worship together one more time. But we pray this prayer together for two reasons. One, we wanna support our brothers and sisters who literally just gave their lives to the Lord. That is amazing. Angels are celebrating in heaven right now. But the also reason why we do this is because it reminds us, it reminds me every single week that I, I don't graduate from grace. I need it. I still make mistakes. I need Jesus in my life. So would you just pray this prayer with me and say, Father, I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay, to make a way that I might have a new life, a fresh start. I give you my life. 
and I give you my trust. And because of the blood of Jesus, I will never be the same. Come on, let's celebrate for the people who gave their life to Jesus this morning. Guys, let's worship one more time together. Knowing that Christ is our firm foundation, we will never regret focusing on him. Come on, let's worship.